in our Bibles now. I'm preaching to my son this morning as well as you. Uh, he's in Florida right now, about as far from here as you can get and still be in the United States. And I know he'll listen to this message because he called me this morning and I says, I've got a message the Lord laid on my heart. It's in Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. I want you to hear it, my son. The three calls to my son. And we're going to start out. I don't know if I'll get through the whole chapter. I doubt it. But I'll see what the Lord does with it. If not, we'll finish up tonight. We've got some other things to finish up as I preach in the evening. But this morning the Lord laid this on my heart. And it starts out, The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. He was in the proper place. Solomon was at the time of this. He was being used by our God. And he was doing God's will, I'm sure of it. And God blessed him with a double portion of wisdom, with more than that. He was considered by even secular people, people of, of minimal God-fearingness, for lack of a better term, minimal spirituality. He was often reflected as one of the wisest men in, our, in the world. And he wrote this psalm under the guidance and inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he gives us what wisdom and understanding and knowledge is about. Now, if you don't have a King James translation, some of this might not make sense to you, but the, God is very specific about how he breaks down knowledge, and he's going to give us a piece of knowledge here and wisdom and understanding, and he's going to give it to us in the form of an advice from a father to a son. Now, a mother to a daughter, but someone who loves you or you love, he's given us this advice through Solomon, through the book of Proverbs here. And it says, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice and judgment and equity, and you hear a lot about that nowadays, to give civility to the simple and young men knowledge and discretion. Now, wisdom means the skill of living. You know, we talked about that before. Knowledge is uh, simply knowing, compiling facts and knowing them. And understanding it means to uh, distinguish between its usefulness. You can know every player on the Mets team, which just came to my mind. I don't know much else about they play baseball. Okay, you got knowledge then. But it might not help you at all to play baseball, would it? You see, you can know all the parts to an automobile. That's knowledge. You can understand how they work. That's understanding. But wisdom is how you get them things to function when they're broke and put them together and make sense out of it and get your automobile down the road and keep it that way. Wisdom, I guess, is knowing when to change the oil, <laughs> which is something I, I uh, don't have much of, especially when it comes to automobiles. But we have wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. They're three different words. The reason I'm so specific about that in this scripture is a lot of times in other translations you don't even think, see them distinguished. A wise man will hear and will increase learning. A man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsel. 
to understand a proverb and to inter- and the interpretation of words of the wise, their dark sayings. Now, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. My Bible says in uh, Psalms 14, uh, 14.1, I believe it is, a fool says in his heart, there is no God. I've been shocked lately. I've seen too much news. I've been intentionally turning it off. But I see people in authority in this country without any real wisdom. They say in their heart, there is no God. And if they do say there's a God, they define him themselves in their image, not in his image. And... uh, It's a terrible thing. But we still have to function in this world. We still have to have purpose in this world. We still have to survive in this world. Other than voting this week, there's not a lot you can do about it besides praying. And I pray. Man, I I pray when I see see some of the atrocities. And I you know, we need to be more prayerful. But sometimes, you know, those things are something we can focus on other than our own tragedies. You know, if you want to Get someone out of depression, start thinking about someone else. And you've got to remind yourself sometimes that there are bigger fish to fry. We have bigger jobs to perform. We have more to do for God. There's a reminder out there that there's so many people that are reprobate. Reprobate, yes, they're without God, completely without God. Where are they going to come back to? They're almost beyond that. And who's going to ever save them? Who's going to pray for those? Who's going to be accountable for those? We all have responsibility. I think of those in the congregation that are involved in the education system in this town. Very awesome responsibility. Pray for them. Pray for those that are in responsible positions within this church, within this community, and, uh, and in their families. You know, when the devil went up against Adam and Eve, who paid the penalty? The whole family. The whole family. Well, the devil's against our, our government right now. And uh, we need to pray for our government. That's not the point of my message. That's the introduction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. There's a difference between wisdom and instruction. We got people on our Supreme Court that can tell you the law backwards and forwards. But you ask them if you're a woman or not, they can't answer that. That's the difference between knowledge and wisdom. We need to pray for those people. We need to pray for each one here today. Here's the message for the one in authority in your life. My son here the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother. What's what's he talking about here? What's God trying to tell us here this morning? There's three calls to a son here. Verses 8, verses 10, and verses 14. What's God trying to tell us in these perilous times? What's he got before us? My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother. I've got written after that, B-I-B-L-E. 
that's the instruction of my father. My father was a God-fearing man. It wasn't until the last couple of years of his life he actually got saved. But it's because he respected God's word and seen it work in other people's lives and seen other people stand up and literally die for it that he finally come to terms with his maker. We need to go back to the founding precepts of this country, the founding precepts of our government, the founding precepts of most of our families. Now, my father stepped out from a family embedded in crime. I have relatives to this day that are embedded. They're not saints by any means, but they respect God. We need to get back to respecting God in our lives, amongst ourselves and amongst others. We need to go to God's word to walk in his word and in his way. Take a look at it. says, this is an advice of a father to a son, advice to my son in Florida right now. And he just got out. He's on, what do they call it, probate, parole. And my instructions to him, my son, walk in God's way. Walk in God's way. That's my plea to him. That's my plea to everyone I love, including each individual in this room. I wasn't born a family man. I wasn't born uh, the type of person that just loves people. In fact, you'd be pressed to know that one day, one I was quite an in, introvert. I spent a lot of time in the back of the church, <laughs> hiding from people. I'd get so nervous around a bunch of people, I'd get sick and throw up. So they kept me in the back of the church. Then I found I could get away from the people by being in the front of the church, so I became an usher and an altar boy. And that's how I, and I'm still in the front of the church. <laughs> the Lord speaks to, to us all, but he wants us to get instruction. What, what's the, motivation, the motivating factor for your vote this week? For an, an example, what's the least you could do this week out of the ordinary for God this week is to read his book and try to influence your government to follow the book. I'm telling you to vote. That's the least you could do this week for God by the instructions of your mother and your father in the book. That's where you get true wisdom. Let's go to step two. For they shall be ornament of grace unto thy head and chains about thy neck. I'm deplorable. I got a t-shirt that says so. I got a camouflage hat, kind of contrary, but it says, make America great again on the hat. I don't know if I'm going to wear it, but it's on the dash of my truck now. I don't know if I'm all that sold out for making America great. I would like to say, I would like to say M-A-G-A, make America godly again. That's what I'd like it to say. Amen. I might just do that and wear it then. But I'm to be, I'm to be armored in God's will. I'm to be a representative of God. Now you can take your preacher that and say, yeah, he's a nut when he stands up and prays in the cafeteria or the pizza joint or in uh, Black Bear or whatever. They know I'm a Christian. And I know which ones are God-fearing already. 
Now, I gave you, I'm going to interrupt myself with a commercial today. Again, I had announcements, now I'm going to have a commercial. On your pews was John and Romans. Take these, get rid of them. Get rid of them. Uh, go take them down the street and put them on a fire hydrant or something. This, this is the second thing. You, oh, I'm not going to vote. I got political. You wouldn't want me to vote, preacher. I don't agree with you. Okay, fine. Don't vote then or vote the way you want. What else you can do for God, a little more direct, is hand one of these out this week. Leave it somewhere this week if you ain't got the courage to hand it out. You know, the holidays are coming up, and I had a discussion uh, with the widow, one of the widows of the church today. doesn't narrow it down too far, uh, but they're going to get a free lunch today. I want to encourage them. What you can do, you can come instead of Gloria. Make her jealous. <laughs> what we can do, what we can do is leave this somewhere today if you want to make America godly again. This isn't going to point them. This has got an advertisement for our church on it, but this is basically to point them to God. It's something you could do today in this day and age, and in the time we're in, we're approaching Thanksgiving. It's more than turkey, but people are all, through, all around the world today, all around the United States, all around this island, are making decisions and coming to terms with themselves and relatives and friends and family, and they're looking for an answer sometimes of what they should do. What's the first thing we just talked about? Wisdom and understanding. You can hand them the ticket they need to change the rest of their lives. I've seen this book. I've seen this portion of this book change people's lives. It can change yours, too, if you read it. But hand it out this week. We got a bunch of them. Leave, if you're, and you're going to be traveling this month, I'm going to throw a couple on the ferry. They, they don't want me to put them on there because I put too many on. But if you leave one at your table at the ferry or you put it in that little slot there, the, the guys that work there love them. The late, one of the ladies on the ferry said, man, those are nice. I really like that. That's nice you thought of that. Well, the head of the ferry didn't say quite the same thing. But we were mixing religion and state or federal, the federal, yeah, federal government. But you can leave one there. You can leave it to the lunch table. Oh, it just gets thrown away. You did what you could do about changing America this week. You did what you could do for helping somebody else this week. You showed somebody else's God's love. It's their choice to reject it or take it. I was on the subway once in Chicago and handed out John and Romans and Scripture and tracts till my arms were sore with another pastor. I mean, I, had, I couldn't believe it. These people go by, they get out of the thing, and they walk like this reading some book, some novel, some magazine, and I just take it and put it right, right there. You got track today, and put it right there. And they just go on, keep reading. And I says, well, should I do that? Yeah. The preacher says, do it. Those guys read. They'll read absolutely anything you throw in front of them. You know, could be in the Communist Manifesto. They'll read it. I, I says, okay. The real proof is when we get all back, when we get all done here, as we drug ourselves out of there before it got dark. Uh, I says, uh, how many are going to be in the garbage can down at the end of the subway there? 
two great big 55-gallon drums. We'd been there about four hours. There was probably five. Maybe one or two on the sidewalk by them. That was it. Those things went home. Now, we got these tracks back there called Chick Tracks. They're like little miniature comic books. Very, very challenging to a lot of people's faiths. I will go through them, and I have this week, and we're going to get some more in there that I'll guarantee you will get read. You don't find those in the garbage can. I gave one of those tracks to an individual the, uh, several years ago. It was the one about this guy in the comic form. He's riding along in a car, and he challenges the train. And you know, when I was, I was out in the country, you race down the, down the side of the road and cut across in front of the train. Used to lay pennies on there and all kinds of stuff to run, to, for the train to run over and then challenge him. Well, this track's about that, and the guy gets killed, lecturing his friends about how there is no God. Two weeks later, I gave that person that track, and I testified as a pastor to invited his, his mother out to church. She came. She's a member of the church. She was dying of cancer. I didn't even know it. Six months later, she gave everything she owned to those two sons. Would have been two. One died two weeks after I talked to him. The rest she gave to the church, little old country church. The one son, she called me in. She says, he got died in a tragic car accident. Got smashed by the train. He was running the train. What exactly it described in that track? Now, this guy was 20-some years old. He wasn't a kid. He graduated from college. He had all of his sense. But he ran that train and got killed. And my, his mother, I says, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. She turned the track over, and on the back, it, he had signed it, saying he accepted Christ as his personal Savior. Now, that's what the Word of God can do in your life. That's what the Word of God can do when you leave it somewhere, when you take it to Africa, when you take it to Australia, when you take it to the Philippines, when you take it to your neighbor, when you leave it on the sidewalk. At one time, it was the Philipp no, it was Dominican Republic. The, the man who ran the Dominican Republic was saved by picking up a track on the sidewalk. Nobody gave it to him. He's seen it laying there. He picked it up and read it, accepted Christ as his personal Savior, and became the parliamentary leader of that country, the Dominican Republic at the time. Okay, you're sidetracked. I'm just trying to tell you what the Word of God will do. You have an opportunity this week, this month, and next month, put some in a Christmas card. I'm going to order some real pretty ones for going in a Christmas card. Every, people don't even do that much this time of year. They don't even send Christmas cards anymore. I do. It's worth the investment to get a Christmas card to my heathen brother in Missouri. Ooh, I'm giving him away. That uh, he'll get a Christmas card from me and a chick or a Christmas track. Oh, he expects it from his brother. You can do the same. That's all I can do for God in that regard. Okay, let's go. My son, if... Sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Underline, consent thou not. The first thing you should have underlined in the first one was walk. 
when that word walk show up there? It shows up again in the last one. Let's see what the first one says. Yeah, my son, here are the instructions. Okay, here are instructions. His first point. Number two is consent thou not. We're having an office party. Don't have this problem so much here in this country right now as of yet. But boy, I fought it. I had a man named Frank. He probably will listen to me sometime today. Frank was a good man. He was a prison guard. Spent his time. He accepted Christ as his personal Savior, and he got baptized. I was there to baptize him, his son. His wife never did get baptized. But he accepted Christ as personal Savior. He worked at Wausau Insurance. You ever hear of that? Or was it Century? It was Century. Wausau Insurance, you've heard about that place? Big place. Could have been one of the two great big insurance companies in the middle of Wisconsin. Christmas party. Frank had a struggle with alcohol most of his life. He never come home from that Christmas party that night. Passed out in the bathroom. They left him there. Next morning, I went with his frantic wife, and we fetched him out of the building. Last time he drank. The last time he drank. He didn't bother going to the next Christmas party. He didn't bother going to the next Christmas party. His dad owned a bar. His dad was a Green Bay Packer, played for the Green Bay Packers at one time. Very popular man in the community. At a bar. And in Wisconsin, that's the... The epitome of popularity. <laughs> That's not saying much, but it, if you know northern Wisconsin, it's all bars. There's more bars in each town than there are churches. That's saying a lot. But Frank now attends regularly one of the founding churches that my wife and I helped start in our living room. He's a deacon in that church. And he encourages others not to consent or to follow in the way of sinners. That's something you can do this holiday season. Come on over for a drink. Maybe that's not that popular around here. Well, how about coming over on Sunday? We're going to have a big bash. We'll have a barbecue. We're going to do we're going to go hunt deer and shoot moose and kill antelope and whatever you want to do. But we're going to start at 7 o'clock Sunday morning and we're not going to let up till noon. Well, I go to church on Sunday. There's a place you can start. Place you can start. I go to church on Wednesday night. Used to be set aside in every community Wednesday night. It isn't anymore. That's where you can consent not. Stay away from the evil. Stay away from those that will entice you to do wrong. Now, there's nothing wrong with duck hunting on Sunday morning especially if you're back by Sunday services. <laughs> Your dad, his dad's a big duck hunter, and he makes it here in church on Sunday. He does. There's nothing wrong. But what you commit yourself to makes a big difference on Sunday morning, on Wednesday night, on Sunday night. makes a big difference to others in the community. Walk not, consent not. Okay, but now we're going to get to walk. Let us swallow them up alive 
as the grave and whole as those that go down into the pit. What's he talking about here? He says, my son, entice thee, consent thou not. If they say, come with us, let us lay wait for blood. Let us lurk privily for innocent without cause. Let us swallow them up alive, the grave and whole as those that go down to the pit. We will find all precious substance and we will fill our house with spoil. Woo! That's the evil enticing you to go do it. Invest in this. You'll make all kinds of money. The guy who spoke here a couple of weeks ago, he doctored up his message to you. He worked at a, he worked at a place that printed pornography. He print, they printed pornography there. That's why he left. That verse right there. He forsook money to follow the Lord. It wasn't a big deal to anybody else. It was a big deal between him and God. And look to how God blessed him. He called me today wanting to know, or yesterday wanting to know what we got for an offering. We're about six, $7,000 short, but there's still some orange things coming in. Another commercial, commercial number two. Fill out your orange slip, commitment slip. What was it, just a couple hundred dollars uh, a, on a weekly basis? Fill that out so we can continue to get God's word out to change people's lives all around the world the community. That's what it's about. It's not about this church. We got the money to build a church. We're working on that. It's not about me getting any more money. It's about getting God's word out. That's what the missions program's all about. So make that commitment. Here they are. Put one in the door there. I found one in the door the other day. Praise God. Thank God. That's all you're going to do. Okay, back to where we're at making real commitments. It takes sacrifice. It takes sacrifice to the Lord to not run with the family, that, to not run with the partners, to not run with the group that promises you riches, just regardless of how it's earned. The end never justifies the means. The end never justifies, in God's eyes, Cast in thy lout amongst us, let us all have one purse. My, here's the third one. My son, walk not. There we are. That's the one I've been looking for all morning. We've got about five minutes. So the first one is my son, hear instruction, read your Bible. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. That's simple. And I've been in the military. I've been around men all my life. I worked the rodeos. I've worked livestock. I've been, I've been in some real rough places. I got family that's in organized crime. Can't even say that to you except uh, I don't even have the same last name most of them have. And there's a reason for that. My son, walk thou not in the way with them. Refrain thy foot from their path. So not only are we supposed to not consent to them, we're not supposed to be caught traveling with them. Where are you on Wednesday night? Where are you on Sunday morning? Where are you on Sunday night? Where are you? God sees you. He knows where you're walking. 
He knows where you're traveling. This isn't just, this is, I'm trying to hit on the easy things to do for God. It's not easy to tell your boss you're not going to be at the Christmas party. I stood one time in front of, and I'm bragging. I'm bragging. The Lord blessed me for it in front of roughly 300 and some men and told them I wasn't going to be at the Christmas party because they were going to have girls and alcohol at it. I like the Kentucky Fried Chicken. That's what they had. But I wasn't, I, I, I wasn't going to partake in it. So I had guard duty that night. Watched the barracks while they all partied. And you know, when I got in the next morning, there was buckets of Kentucky Fried Chicken for me. And I had two people later come up and say, you know, where do you go to church at here? What's a decent chapel here on post? You know, Lord will bless you for it. He'll give you prosperity beyond whatever they can tell you you'll get when you go contrary to God's word. Did you catch that? He'll give you prosperity beyond whatever you can imagine if you don't go contrary to his word. So run your life. Direct your life. Walk your life. Take your, The word life means, the word walk means life if you re- research it in scripture. It means run your life according to God's word. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Let's all stand.